Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. This podcast does contain occasional strong language and adult themes. If you are averse to spoilers for the film that is listed in the title, please tune out now, go watch the movie, or, like us, stop at the intermission, watch the movie, and resume the podcast after. Thanks for coming along on this ride with us. Please enjoy. You once said that uh, you like to make an audience scream through technical means. What is it about an audience screaming that you like? Now, those are the kind of questions uh, that the film buffs like to ask. They expect an awful lot of the sort of material that I don't tell anybody. And it was a nightmare. It was an eye-opener. Ignorance. Sheer ignorance. You know, there's no confidence to equal it. I don't have any problem with enjoying big blockbuster. I'm not a fascist of those boring art movies which when they are over you are glad that they are over and then you celebrate it just as a kind of a superstitious measure. I will talk about it so that I don't have to see it again or whatever. So in a way our our broadcast was an assault on the uh, credibility of that machine. We wanted people to understand that they shouldn't take any opinion predigested and they shouldn't swallow everything that came through the tap. We had uh, Orson Welles, Albert Hitchcock, John Ford, Howard Hawks, Roman Polanski. We had uh, Antonioni. It was unbelievable time to listen to these guys talk. Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and today I am joined by my good friend, Alex. Hey, Alex. Hi, Mike. Hi, Alex. Hi. (laughs) We're just going to start saying our names back and forth uh, until we die. So we are here to talk about some movies that we have never seen. Uh, This time, both of us have never seen this movie. But before we get into it, I would like to run something by you. I've got a question for you. Let me just go ahead and pull out my handy-dandy notebook. I've got an answer, hopefully. uh, And ask you. So normally, I like to ask whoever my guest is, what generally their favorite movie of the whatever genre is or their three favorite movies, something like that. I realize that I I need to expand this a little bit, but I would like to ask you today what your favorite sports film is. Ooh, favorite sports film? I'm going to have to go with hmm, Talladega Nights. That's out of left field. I would not have I would not have thought of that as a sports movie, but I guess it really is. Yeah. Huh. I I I have a strong preference for motorsports, mm-hmm. uh, really any kind. So, comedy plus NASCAR, it's a win for me. Yeah, I can see that. I I agree with that one. That one's I mean Talladega Nights, it's not generally my type of comedy, but It is funny. It's got its moments. So I respect the pick. It's very out of left field and I like it. I would say probably my favorite sports films and I can probably give you three, uh, but it's probably The Mighty Ducks, Cool Runnings, and Space Jam. Nice. Oh, yeah. I like those choices. 90s sort of like kind of kids, kind of like, you know, you could any... A kid of any age. Yes. Uh, movie. Those are probably my top three sports movies. But now that you've said something like that, like... Man, now I need to re reevaluate what are and aren't sports movies. What, what is a sports movie? <laughs> yes, but those would probably be my three favorite. If I have to, if I have to pick a serious sports movie, I'd probably say Miracle, because I yeah. I'm a hockey guy. Right. I like yeah. hockey. A goon is up there too. I was I was like, you said Miracle, and then my mind was like, oh, goon. Yeah, goon, goon, and Mi- Miracle's like okay. This is for like the serious like 
sports people. Like, oh, I want to watch an invigorating sports movie. Goon is like that, but for Tarantino fans. Yeah. <laughs> so Goon and Miracle probably. And then everything else is kind of like, eh, whatever. I, yeah. I can take it or leave it. Yeah, if I was going to pick a serious sports movie, I'd probably say uh, Senna. It's an F1 movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not in that world at all. Yeah, I, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to throw that on this podcast at some point yeah. in the future with someone who hasn't seen it. So, nice. That out of the way, I'm going to read you a little synopsis here for the movie we're going to be watching. The scientists set out on a rescue mission to find the missing son of a megalomaniac CEO, but instead find that the damn dirty apes deep in the jungle may be plotting humanity's downfall. It's Congo. Oh. Directed by Frank Marshall from 1995. Uh, so I don't know what you know about this movie. I can tell you a few things. So Frank Marshall, he's done some other stuff, but most notably he did, I don't know if you've seen it, the live-action Jungle Book. Uh, movie from like the mid 90s oh from the mid 90s i was i was about to ask you which one yeah it's there have the, been several adaptations the one with that. uh carrie elwis where he was yes. the bad guy yeah which is yes. i have a very big fondness for that movie or at least i it's more nostalgia really i want to go back and watch it because i remember it being great but i feel like it may not hold the test of time yeah but as a kid it was it just seemed like it was amazing but he did direct that. So it was also written based on a book by Michael Crichton. Ah. Yeah. So that would kind of maybe springboard us a little bit uh, because this came out two years after Jurassic Park. Yeah. It seems like the 90s were really Michael Crichton's decade. Yeah. I mean, there's really not anything else outside like maybe the, the early to mid 2000s. You kind of get it like a trail off of his sort of stuff. But yeah. there hasn't been anything else where it's like, oh, yeah, it's that, that Michael Crichton phase uh, yeah. that we all went through. Yeah, I I could be wrong, but I have it in my mind that Michael Crichton wrote or produced ER, the TV show. Oh, man, I don't know anything about the TV show ER. So that that's going to be something I'm going to have to look up after we're done here because yeah. that seems like that would be wild. I don't I don't know how that would really affect the TV show ER. Like I feel like Michael Crichton he he's he has a certain genre that he does and it's yes. like all this like sort of weird and not even really weird. It's mainstream now because of Michael Crichton and Jurassic yeah. Park where it's like oh people messing with dna doing weird stuff like it's in the it's in that vein like you could almost see like because intentionally this synopsis it's kind of half between the actual plot of the movie and maybe planet of the apes i can see yeah. like michael crichton writing like a planet of the like rise of the planet of the apes or something yeah. like that where that's that's sort of his genre like genetic uh or like um what is it 12 monkeys yeah would be yeah. something that seems michael crichton-ish even like some maybe like I could even almost see uh, like 28 Days Later being in his wheelhouse where it's like viruses and sort of like genetic adaptations. That. That'd be a little stretch in it for Michael Crichton because he doesn't really do, eh, I guess he does some horror, but like it's more so like the the implications and of the science of the things. But I don't know. What Do you, do you know anything about this movie at all? Not really. I, I'll be honest. Uh, up until you gave me the synopsis, I think I had this mixed up in my head with, I think, African Queen. Oh, <laughs> the, vastly different movies. Yeah, I think it's, uh, what's that, Audrey Hepburn and... It's, uh, yeah, Humphrey Bogart. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and um, yeah, we're, they're just, 
you know, he's a boat captain in Africa and yes. all that all that jazz. Great movie, by the way. All right, well, um, I haven't seen that movie either, and I was like, oh yeah, like the <laughs> that old movie. <laughs> this is completely different because so I'm going to get into trivia here. This is not one of the questions that I had, but one of the things in the IMDb trivia is that I think that the studio and Michael Crichton and like the director and like everybody sort of um, maybe Mandela affected everyone into like either believing that this happened or actually just removed it from the theatrical cut, which never got released. But everyone who saw this in theaters, like there's a famous scene that everyone quotes, like where there's just like a, a gorilla with a laser gun shooting people. But it's not apparently like there are people who actually are going out there like investigative journalists going out there to try to find the lost and original reels uh, to see if this actually happened. Okay. So it's, it's that kind of movie. All right. There's a, there's a talking gorilla. Beautiful. But it's presented in a way that is very like Jurassic Park, very serious in that vein. In fact, it's uh, the same special effects team. Stan Winston Studios nice. are the ones who did everything for this. Now, uh, to get into that, I'm going to I'm gonna start with a little bit of trivia here since really neither of us know a lot about this movie. So here we go. Question number one. Which actor says that their character in the film is the favorite that they have ever played? Is it A, Ernie Hudson? B, Tim Curry, or C, Laura Linney? Oh, I, I, want, I want the answer to be Tim Curry. To give you their, their characters' names in here, so Ernie Hudson played Captain Monroe Kelly. Tim Curry played, and I'm going to butcher this, it's Herkmeyer Homolka, I think? Like, South African name. Okay. Uh, but um, his first name Dutch. is Herkmeyer. Yeah, like a Dutch South African yeah. name. And Laura Linney played Dr. Karen Ross. Just to give you an idea of what their their character names are, I'm, I'm still gonna hold fast with Tim. Tim Curry, Curry. you were wrong. It was actually Ernie Hudson. Uh, Ernie Hudson uh, of Ghostbusters fame yes. uh, said that this was his favorite character that he ever portrayed, wow. which I feel bodes well for this movie. If yeah. At least Ernie Hudson had fun with it. I feel like Tim. I, I mean, come on, Tim Curry's in it. Yeah. Ernie Hudson's there. You've got talking gorillas. And you've got, because part of the plot is that they want to, the CEO wants to get these special diamonds from the Congo to power something. It's questionable as to whether or not it is actually a doomsday device. Okay. So that's the backdrop here. And you put all those characters and, and those actors into it. And it's like, hmm, I could watch Tim Curry be weird in a jungle for a while with talking gorillas. I can watch Tim Curry read the dictionary, so... That's true. Tim Curry is one of those people where it's just like... If if I was on the fence about a movie and then you told me Tim Curry's in it, I'd probably be like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to watch it now. Yeah. <laughs> so... If nothing else, it'll be entertaining. That, yeah. And that, that's, I think, the takeaway from that one. So so you're, you're 0, for, 0 for 1 here. Second question. What famous musician has a cameo as a 727 pilot in the film? Is it A, Bruce Springsteen? B, Jimmy Buffett, or C, Rod Stewart? I'm going to say, since it's the 90s, I feel feel like this is Bruce Springsteen's chance to shine. His chance to shine, huh? You are wrong again. It is Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. He was he was flying him all the way from Margaritaville. I, you know, I can definitely, I can definitely picture Jimmy Buffett, like 90s Jimmy Buffett, flying one of those old, like, bombers, 
converted into like a passenger plane in like the Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, but he's still he's got a captain hat, but it's still the Hawaiian shirt. It's like yeah. the Hawaiian shirt over like the like yes. the, like the the dress whites, I guess. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that would be amazing. That's I just found that one wild where it's like, yeah, you're just getting a random like relatively famous. I mean, Jimmy Buffett really never he plateaued, but he didn't peak, I think. Yeah. He's just like, ah, yeah, he's Jimmy Buffett. I yeah, think he's he, going to, like, fall off only when he dies. I don't know. I feel like he will truly ascend when he dies. Oh, really? He might. Yeah. Because, oh, man, you, you're probably going to get, like, a whole bunch of uh, so many tribute bands when he dies, and they're all going to be, like, just a slight variation of it. It's like, oh, we're we're like the polka Jimmy Buffett tribute band. Oh, no, we're like the, we're like the Mexican Cantina Jimmy Buffett tribute band. We're the Ska Jimmy Buffett tribute band. I, 100%, I would listen to Ska Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> I think that would, I'm not a huge Jimmy Buffett fan, but that would get me into Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. If it was just a ska tribute band. Pairheads are a breed unto themselves. They are very much. There's not a lot you can say about them that they don't already say about themselves. It's like, it's just usually a bunch of boomers who like to drink margaritas and get horny at like concerts. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm like, I'm no paired head, but. There's there's some of that like cheeseburgers in paradise, I I love that song. It has a certain whimsy to it. It does, which I feel like fits this movie because this movie has, I feel like it has some whimsy that maybe Jurassic Park didn't because Jurassic Park is serious but f- and fantastical because it's dinosaurs. Yeah. This movie, it's like no, the dinosaurs never talk to you. In this movie, the gorillas talk to you. Or at least one of them does. And there's maybe someone plotting a doomsday thing. So it feels very much like romancing the stone meets almost like a weird bond. Yeah, your description of it so far almost gives me like a, a an old like pulp serial kind of yeah. feel to it. Talking gorillas, like an old, like some guy finding an old like bomber. This, this feels like it'd be a pulp serial. Yes, I'm, I'm really excited to watch this movie, but I feel like also it could be that this would be better as a serial instead yeah. of like, ah, oh, just one movie. Like, I would maybe want more in this universe because it's, it's just weird. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you were, you were 0 for 2 here, but you have a chance to tie it up because I have four questions uh, this episode. So, question number three. Who auditioned for the role of Dr. Peter Elliott before it went to Dylan Welsh? This actor did get a bit role as a consolation. Was it A, Hugh Grant, B, Bruce Campbell, or C, Hugh Laurie? I'm going to say Bruce Campbell because I want it to be Bruce Campbell. You are, in fact, correct. It is Bruce Campbell. So Bruce Campbell does have a bit role in this film, which I I don't know. I can't think of anything that Dylan Walsh has ever been in. Like, I don't recognize the name. And I I had looked it up before we did this, but honestly, I didn't write it down because I'm like, none of these movies are like, I feel like this is like the biggest movie that he's been in, (laughs) which is, and I could be wrong and I just may have not looked far enough down the IMDb rabbit hole, but I mean, man, Bruce Campbell starring alongside ostensibly, um, as a lead, uh, opposite of, you know, like Ernie Hudson and Tim Curry. That's like, that's like peak cult sort of actors right there. I'm trying to think of any other actors that are as sort of like we in like their cult niches other than those three because ernie hudson like he hasn't been in a lot of stuff but like he's in a lot of bit roles where he's like he's in there because he's got this weird cult following right he's not in a lot of movies he is but not in 
he's not prolific, right? Yeah. And then you have Bruce Campbell, who is obviously Ash from The Walking Dead. He's he's got a whole bunch of other things. Like he didn't he never really went on from being a B movie actor. And almost the same thing for Tim Curry. Like he's yeah. got just all these iconic roles. They all have iconic roles that are kind of weird B roles that everyone just remembers them for. Yeah. I would I would add like I in a similar vein, like Rick Moranis. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like like the post, I guess even, yeah, post, like, what is it, SNL? Yeah, yeah. post-SNL Rick Moranis, where yeah. he, like, did movies and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and uh, Spaceballs. And and, and, and and of course, the, the ever-wonderful uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah! I almost forgot about that. Yeah. That is right, he was, yeah. I have to, I've seen it, but I have to revisit it now that you've said Rick Moranis is in it, because, like, I, I just like Rick Moranis. Yeah. You, you can't help but like him. I Steve Martin... Uh, yeah, I I love Rick Rick Moranis and that, but Steve Martin like truly steals the show when he comes. I think in. that's probably why I didn't remember that Steve Moranis was in it because Steve, Steve Moranis. Steve Moranis. Mar- See, I'm doing it. I'm like just conflating the two because Steve Martin was so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to revisit that one because that one's yes. Now now that I remember that, but yeah, it's it's this is kind of like I feel like it has the potential to just be such a great cult film. Yes. But I think that maybe it's budget, because it was sort of like a large budget, like Stan Winston Studios sort of like production, right after their, this I think this might have been the movie that they worked on right after, maybe one movie removed from Jurassic Park. Okay. So like, this is like height of their like, yep, we're doing animatronics, we're doing CGI, we're doing all that stuff, we're like the premier studio here. You know, if you if you can't get like Lucasfilm, to do yeah. it then you were your guys guys yeah. uh and even some of them had a lot of crossover so it was like yep this is just what you do i feel like that almost goes against the whole like cult thing because i feel like there's not going to be as much b-movie schlock in it but i'm hopeful that it's going to be fun at the very yeah. least it sounds like it'll be entertaining if nothing else it's going to be unique i feel like is the thing yes. so all right chance to tie it up uh, or fail miserably uh, this is a fun one. This is sort of like a like a weird like trivia that's not really related to anything in the movie, but it's kind of like I guess it shows the age of the movie. What video game can be seen being played in the university office at Berkeley during the introduction to Dr. Karen Ross? Is it A, Castlevania, B, Donkey Kong, or C, Doom? I'm going to say Doom. You are right. Yes. It is Doom. I was hoping that it would be, when I saw this, I'm like, man, why didn't they do Donkey Kong? Because that came out, like, right in that era. Yeah. I think in 1995, like, I think Donkey Kong 2 came out. Like, yeah. it was, like, the new release that year. But, yeah. I, it was just, like, a weird thing. Because it kind of, like, puts it in perspective. Because I know we both love video games. Yes. And it blows my mind. Because I remember playing the original Doom. Yeah. And, it I, like, I played it after it came out. And I played, I think I played Doom 2 when it came out. Mm-hmm. I was a little young for it, but like, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember playing it and I'm like, man, this, that's, I'm old. <laughs> this movie I have is these, old. I have those moments too. Yeah. You're a little bit younger than me, so you don't quite get it as much, but like, yeah. man, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just one of those things where you're like, oh yeah, like that, that movie came out in like 1990, whatever. That's like 20 years ago, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, Pokemon is having its 25th anniversary now oh god and i was like wait that can't be right like pokemon just came out like 10 years ago and i'm like no maybe no. not 
Yeah, that I get that all the time with certain like properties and stuff. It's like, oh yeah, that movie came out like, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It was like ten, you know, five ten years ago. And then like I'll be talking to somebody that like, no man, that's that was like fifteen twenty years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, oh god. Yeah. I wonder how much of also because they do have this pop like these. Uh, at least that pop culture reference in there. Someone had the forethought to obviously put it in there because it's an intentional, like, someone plays a video game here. I wonder if it's going to be... Because it's kind of in that weird, wild spot. Because this is 1995. This is right in the middle of the 90s, right after Jurassic Park. And I even remember playing, like, because I had, like, a, a handheld Jurassic Park game. Because, mm. um, like, I wonder how much, like, other sort of, like, little pop culture stuff is going to be in here. Because, again, this feels like a very old serial but it's very much a, I guess, for lack of a better term, modern film. Yeah. And I wonder how that crossover is going to work. Because there's not a lot of those, I feel. Right? I mean, like, you've got other sort of adventure movies. I mean, I guess maybe, like, The Mummy and Sahara. But those were, like, Sahara was set kind of, eh, it's not really modern necessarily, I don't think. Eh, I think it was. Uh, but, like, definitely The Mummy is, like, but basically you have all these things set in the past, but this is sort of a very, like, it feels Romancing the Stone, it feels Indiana Jones, and sort of, like, the scope of it, almost even Tarzan. Yeah. Right? But then you have all these, like, oh, you got, like, this little, like, this megalomaniac trying to create potentially a death laser to destroy the Earth. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the closest thing that I can feel like maybe it, it has to it is, I guess, even, like, maybe Planet of the Apes mm. a f vibe. But then again, maybe it's just the subject matter of apes. Yeah. I was trying to think of like modern adventure, like adventure movies set in the modern age. And the the next best example I can think of is like the National Treasure movies. Yeah. Oh, you, you know what? You were also saying uh, that, that jogged my memory too. Did you see the, um, the uh, newest live action uh, Aquaman with uh, David Momoa? Yes. That that's got a very similar action yeah. adventure feel, yeah. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, National Treasure is very much that way. I wonder if it's yeah, because I, I would feel like from what I know about it, I feel like it's going to be in that sort of vein, like because it feels like it's going to all be in like the same sort of area. So it's not going to be like oh, we're going from destination to destination, having a fun adventurous romp. I think it's going to be more so like. All right, we go here, and then we're going to do jungle stuff. But yeah, it's kind of got that, maybe have that feel. Hopefully it, it's closer to the National Treasures, and I don't know what you thought about Aquaman. I quite enjoyed it. I, yeah, I thought it was a fun movie. Yeah, it was very fun, uh, but it, hopefully in that vein where it's fun instead of, like, whatever. I know that there's also a movie, too, where it was, I think, set in the same era where it was, um, God, I don't remember what the name of it is, but it's a Bruce Willis movie where he's, like, a a mercenary or something in like the jungle in Africa or something like that. Like one of these, like the Congo or something mm. where it has sort of a similar feel where he's trying to like extract some sort of like person from like, like a weird, like warlord something. It, okay. it's, it's like, for some reason I'm getting that vibe too, where it's like they're, cause they've got all these soldiers and there's like in the trivia, there's a lot of like, Oh, this is the gun that they carried, but it was mm -hmm. modified with X, Y, Z things to okay. make it. This is like, it's like a fully automatic 1911 <laughs> like, <laughs> just like shit like that so i'm like okay there's there's gonna be some fighting going down so is this gonna get like weird and serious at some point i don't yeah. know but you should one of the things that i know for you specifically you should look up and any of the the people who are like into guns and stuff some of the trivia in here does have like like i guess the the people who are on imdb there are some gun nuts out there because like oh this is the model 
and make of the gun that they use, but here are the attachments that they put on it. Uh, and okay. it's also like a fully automatic now yeah. uh, that they modified it. And it's like, that's kind of cool and interesting. Yeah, right. So if you see some cool guns in this movie, they've some of it's out there in the trivia of what the build is. Yeah. I know there's a, there's a website. It's like movieguns.com or something. I don't know. But they there's like a movie website that they list all the firearms in a particular movie. That's actually they do really that cool. Kind of stuff. Yeah. I need to find that then. Like, I'm into that sort of thing. I probably would have been more into it, like, years ago. Because I'm, I'm still, like, a really big gun nut. But, like, I don't necessarily care about, like, all right, I'm, I'm just I'm just doing a whatever thing now. So I'm not as big into, like, looking at micromanaging and, and learning a build. Uh, but that would definitely be, if someone was into that, that would be such a cool site. And I'll have to check it out yeah. when we're done here. Anyway, so you were two for two on the trivia. I guess I don't really have a lot else on this because I haven't seen it. But I think the two things that I wanted to go over was sort of the, this movie was not well-received critically. The obvious comparisons we've already made to Jurassic Park and Stan Winston Studio being there. Because I know that there was some trivia in here where Stan Winston Studios guys were just like, look, hindsight being what it is, we shouldn't have done the things we should have, we, we did in this movie because basically what they did was they made like, they were going to do the whole thing CGI, right? Mm -hmm. but the... Like, the technology that they had to make the dinosaurs, because they're scaly, was a yeah. lot... Like, it was better for dinosaurs. Yeah. But the fur technology and hair wasn't there yet. And it, frankly, it still kind of isn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, in a lot of cases, like, hair CGI is still rough. So they went ended up going with, like, animatronic or, or people in gorilla suits. Yeah. But the thing that they did was that they were like, well, we use, like like highland like silverback gorilla suits but then we put lowland gorilla faces on them because like they were cuter and more anthropomorphic mm -hmm. and then it like by all accounts that i've seen is that it made it like a weird uncanny valley which they, these were already animatronic things anyway yeah and it didn't have like the weird i guess zaniness that something I, I don't know if you can name like just like an animatronic animal actor in a movie well if you're talking about an actor is um the guy that played Gollum. But the by mind, when you say animatronic talking gorilla, I think of the one from Georgia the Jungle. Oh, the yeah. The Brendan Fraser. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I think he might have directed this too. Come oh, to think okay. of it. Now that you mention that, I think that might have, that might be why he got this, uh, this particular um, movie. If I'm not mistaken, it, in my mind, something jogged loose when you said that. But yeah, you're right. That's... That's, yeah, it's kind of in that vein, I feel like, where I don't know if it's, like, going to be, like, Uncanny Valley or if it's just going to be weird. But that's what, by all accounts, a lot of people said, where it's just, this is weird. We don't like it because these gorillas don't look right. You know, it's mm. just one of those things. I, I don't know. I feel like, obviously, every studio and producer and all that stuff is going to have, like, their flops. I feel like this is kind of a surprising one, and I don't really know... Like, I don't know if Michael Crichton really had a lot of flops, honestly. I I need to familiarize myself more with his, like, like works and, like, his... Because, you know, I know, like, a lot of the major ones, but, like, there might be some out there. Because this one I didn't even know was Michael Crichton. So yeah. there's probably a bunch of other Michael Crichton adaptations just floating out there that no one knows about. And maybe a lot... Maybe the majority of them are trash. <laughs> <laughs> He's got, like, two good stories in him, and the rest is, like, eh, mediocre. <laughs> yeah. The one other thing that I will say, in addition to, like, you know, the flop and stuff like that and how we think it's going to go, is 
book adaptations because this was sort of a popular time like you have I mean obviously you have Michael Crichton writing books and they're at, adapting them most famously Jurassic Park uh you also have like in the 90s it was maybe slowing down a bit but like the 80s and early 90s you had just a ton and and uh 1990 was the 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 year um Misery came out yeah um so you have a lot of like Stephen King adaptations do you think that Michael Crichton's style in general leads to good adaptations, or do you think that maybe, like, because I can't think of any off the top of my head leading from my other thought previous, was that maybe it was just his one adapt, maybe his books are great, but they don't ad adapt really well into movies, versus, yeah. like, Stephen King, who is, I feel, a subpar author, I don't like him, but his movies, his books translate fairly well into movies. Yeah. Because uh, I've, you know, all of his movies and movies that I've read where I've also read the books, which is not many because I, I don't like the books that much. I think his writing style is not great, at least to me. Uh, I think his movies are hands down way better. Yeah, of the Stephen King novels and novellas, whatever, stories that I've read, I think pretty much across the board, I've liked the adaptation better than the original source material. <laughs> So, I mean, sorry, Stephen King, if you're listening. I'm not sorry to Stephen King. He <laughs> he can fight in the IRL. <laughs> this is a challenge. Find me at dawn, Stephen King, behind a dirty dumpster at a Sunoco on the state line, and we will have a fight. And if I win, you have to stop writing shitty books. I'm not going to tell him which state. He just has to figure out which state line. That there's a Sunoco on with a dirty ass dumpster. I think that's every Sunoco. It probably is. Yeah. He'll be looking for a long time. Hopefully, it preoccupies him long enough that he doesn't write any more books. I don't, you know, but then we lose material for them to adapt into better movies. That's true. Although, and I haven't seen the adaptations uh, like uh, the new Pet Cemetery and the new It, I haven't seen any of those. Which are just adaptation. I guess they're also book adaptations, but like I feel like adaptations the, of adaptations. adaptations of adaptations. I feel like they're just getting better, and we no longer need Stephen King because we can just infinitely adapt his movies because he's written so many books. Yeah. We don't need him anymore. Okay, it's so you're saying it's the inverse of like when you make a copy, like a photocopy of a copy. And it, it eventually, like, degrades to something you can't yeah. see anymore. You're saying you make a copy of a Stephen King movie, and it just gets better. Yes. Which leads me into my other point, which is, if you do that with a Michael Crichton novel, does it just get worse? I I think you're right. Because, I'm going to say, like, the new, like, Jurassic World movies are adaptations of the Jurassic Park movies... Yeah, I don't think they are... They're just, like, sequels that didn't have a lot to do with the... I think he might have written sequels to Jurassic Park, but the movies are more based on the movie. Yeah. And adaptations of the movie, basically. Yeah. And I think you're, I think you're on to something there, because their Jurassic World movies are definitely a noticeable step down from the Jurassic Park original series yes i will agree that being said i still enjoy large dinosaurs just ripping through stuff oh it's fun but yes if you're going to just compare them on their own merits and not just big big dinosaurs killing things and rampaging then yes you are absolutely correct the original uh run of the jurassic park movies and that's like 
I'll stand for all three. Like I like all three. Yeah. They are, I think, better than the newer ones. Yeah. Um, I to to what you were saying. Um. Yes. I will. If you put large dinosaurs tearing through things, I will watch it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Field of Dreams. If you if you make it, I will watch. <laughs> um. I there's a reason that Godzilla is one of my favorite film series. Yeah. I mean that it's fair. I. I don't have as much of a, a, a penchant for, uh, or penchant, uh, as, the, as the Spanish say, uh, <laughs> for uh, big giant monster films as you. I do enjoy them, uh, which I need to watch more. Uh, I, my Godzilla knowledge is horrendously lacking, uh, especially uh, with the new Godzilla vs. Kong, because I am a, I'm a, I'm a ape, ape strong. I'm a, I'm a Kong boy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, look, big monk hit thing. <laughs> But, but lizard fire breath. Mm, yeah. We can agree to disagree on this we, one. We will. Maybe we'll, we'll do an episode. We'll do an episode on this one and see see what happens. See. That all aside, I think that, yeah, maybe it's just Michael Crichton and they got lucky. I don't know. I, I feel like I would like to read the book Congo if, if it's interesting enough, the story. Because I have read Jurassic Park, uh, the book. That's the only Michael Crichton I've read. Uh, I'm not a avid reader like some of the other guests on this podcast are like michael he reads everything ever i mostly consume generally like sci-fi fantasy (laughs) and and weirdly enough like sci-fi fantasy and philosophy (laughs) so if it's not one of those things i generally don't read it which i guess jurassic park kind of falls under it i don't really read a lot of horror so like stephen king's kind of sometimes hit or miss but like I want to see if this movie is good, and then I almost want to, if it's interesting enough, I want to go and read the book, because then I'll see, like, is this just Crichton, or is it just because people did a shitty adaptation? And then I also want to see, like, what are the things have, has Crichton done that's been adapted, because I can't think of any, frankly. Yeah. Now that I'm now that I'm really thinking about it. So maybe ER. Who knows? Maybe ER. We'll find out. Uh, I guess so. So, uh, with that being said, uh, I guess we can, unless you have anything else, I will... Put the floor over to you to say anything you want about this movie uh, or have any, you know, if you have any thoughts or any tangents you want to go on, great. But otherwise, if not, we can rate it. What say you? Well, we can go ahead and rate it. Cool. So what do you think on a scale of, I guess, zero to five Snake Pliskins? Where do you think you're going to fall on this? I'm, I'm going to go three and a half Snake Pliskins. I'm reasonably excited for this. It sounds just pulpy enough to be exactly what i'm looking for i have a strong uh penchant for like edgar rice burroughs stories Mm -hmm. i just love pulpy shit you know it doesn't need to make sense just be entertaining yeah i think that's my expectation going into this is very similar to yours and i think i'm probably going to end up liking this uh i hope i like it more than this because i want to be like that person who's like no you should just go watch congo because it's great i want that to be the case but I think that realistically, I'm probably going to come out probably at a three. I'll enjoy it. It's going to be fun, but it's not going to, it's going to be like, it, it's probably going to disappoint me in, in some way yeah. where it's just like, I can't quite get over that hump and give it like the three, 3.5 or four. So I think I'm going to do a tentative three yeah. on my end, but I think we're r- relatively similar of a mind on this. So I'm uh, really excited to watch this and I guess we will see you on the other side and let you know how right or wrong we were. See you later. Bye. Don't perpetuate a myth. What myth? The King Kong myth, the myth of the killer ape. Well, are you so certain there aren't some kind of gorillas that kill? The right laser in diamonds like that 
We can dominate the communications industry overnight. What's your area of expertise? Folk singing? Communications technology. So you're a geek with a cellular phone. I'm a scientist. Monroe Kelly, I'm your great white hunter for this trip, though I happen to be black. Things are pretty bad in the Congo right now. Berkema Homolga, formerly of Romania. Free now of the chains of Ceausescu. Traveling the world and doing good. Mr. Homolga, stop eating my sesame cake. You're onto something. What you're after, I got figured. But what she's after, I don't know. I am hoping that young scientist return his world to the wild. You're looking for King Solomon's diamonds, the lost city of Zen. I've given it up. Monroe, you have the worst timing in the world. Tell me about it. Relax. You're in better hands than you should be. Paternal instinct. Come on, Miss Shireen. What the hell are you doing anyway? What am I doing? I'll tell you what I'm doing. We're getting out of here. We are. What about them? Put them on the endangered species list. Hello and welcome back to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and I'm back with Alex. How you doing, Alex? Hello. Doing well. Good to hear. We just got back from watching Congo, the 1995 movie directed by Frank Marshall, uh, written by Michael Crichton. None other. None other than. The legendary. Legendary, in fact. You're right. I don't know. So what are your initial thoughts on this? Because I have a lot of thoughts on this. And... Boy, howdy. <laughs> I, that, yeah, that really sums it up. Boy, howdy. All right, so is your boy, howdy, in a good way or a bad way? I'm going to say it's a good way. I like. I enjoyed it. It was just a wildly batshit crazy ride. It it was so crazy, and I, I fall on the same side. I, I am firmly in the camp of this movie is a, to me now, it's a cult classic. Yes. Like... If someone wants something crazy and out there and with a 90s vibe, this is it. Yeah. Uh, I think I had, before we started recording a little while back, uh, I had mentioned to you before you had seen it and I had, I, I had actually watched it, that it was a combination of two movies. Yes. And I think, I want to know what your thoughts are on this take, that it's a combination between Operation Dumbo Drop and Aliens. I can see it. I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. So... To get into it a little bit, I know that's going to confuse a lot of people, but really, you just got to see this movie. Yeah, there's really no... The, the, you, can, you can't lead somebody into this movie. Like, you just have to, like... You just have to experience it yourself. Yeah, I, and I think at the end of the day, hopefully, this episode, if anything, will make people watch Congo. Yes. I firmly believe with all of my heart that if this movie came out before Jurassic Park we would be talking about Congo a lot more. Maybe not more than Jurassic Park, but we'd be talking about Congo a lot, I think. Because it is just an insane movie that has just so much to it. And I, I don't think it would be like, you know, it wouldn't be a blockbuster hit, but it would be like, oh yeah, you know, it's like that weird, um, I, I'm trying to think of another analogous cult movie of the 90s um god the phantom i i yeah no the phantom i had one in my head now it's gone it's escaped me yeah but i think that it was definitely it was definitely crazy so i'm gonna kind of walk walk through this a little bit yeah so the plot right is that and again go see this movie but 
because you're not going to miss anything just by me telling you this. You just have to experience it. Is that essentially you have this big corporation that does satellite stuff, right? And they need, they need diamonds. Yes. Big old blood diamonds uh, yes. of some kind. So they have people out there looking for diamonds. Yada, yada, yada. Bruce Campbell goes missing and his ex fiance goes to find him who is pro- maybe former CIA. It's yeah. never really explicitly said or clear what it's, it's really in there like just a couple throwaway lines yeah you don't necessarily believe it until like there's that point where she and ernie hudson lean out of an airplane to shoot down rocket propelled <laughs> yes. grenades with freaking flare guns flare guns yeah <laughs> like that was probably the moment for me where it just went from okay this is kind of interesting to whoa i'm paying you had my curiosity now you have my attention yes and then essentially they use the pretext of going into these war-torn african countries that was the backdrop here so basically they use the pretext of taking this ape who this scientist had learned to communicate and talk via sign language and this glove that vocalizes sign language and then he's also being led to the jungle by um what's his face oh tim curry yeah tim curry and it just gets insane like the ending is crazy where she macgyvers like this just yeah big ass laser she just yeah macgyvers a laser gun yeah (laughs) and just lightsabers through a bunch of mutated gorillas yeah a bunch of potentially not even just mutated like Gorillas that were specifically bred maybe with just, you know, breeding, maybe magic, at yeah. King Solomon's mines. Yeah, King Solomon's lost city. Yes. And this is all on the backdrop of a volcano that's about to explode. Yes. <laughs> Which, and then it does. Yeah. Man, much like the volcano at the end, it blew me away. Yes. I really get, I get really, like... Like, early turn-of-the-century, like, pulp vibes from this. If I didn't know that this had been written by Michael Crichton, I would have guessed Edgar Rice Burroughs. <laughs> that's, that's pretty fitting. I, honestly, I'm still kind of... I guess there is a lot of, like, Crichton-y sort of feel in it. Yeah. Uh, what this really did was make me want to read the damn book. Because I know that Crichton goes way into, like... Like, he goes into stuff, man in his books that just don't like get they don't get into in the movies and for i guess jurassic park to his credit they did get into a lot of the stuff he was talking about he goes he gets very granular right at least comparatively to the movies and i want to i want to know like what in the hell he was writing about in this book because it's so all over the place and what was his sort of like big technological takeaway from this is like because Michael Crichton seems to be kind of like, I guess he's like in a way like a minor prophet. Like yeah. you start seeing, oh, like 30 years ago, Michael Crichton wrote a book about this. Oh, now you're starting to see people hatching dinosaurs or trying to in eggs. Like there are stories out of like China. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're like just growing a T-Rex here, I guess. Yeah. My, Michael, the... Moral of this is Michael Crichton tried to warn us about the FCC and, uh, you know, getting rid of net neutrality. I think you're right. But what scares me more is that at this point, if if everything is accurate, 
Uh, the FCC might actually just have blood diamond powered satellite lasers that can vaporize us if we don't do what they say. Both of these are true. That's that's my biggest concern. So I guess with that out of the way, the the elephant or I guess talking gorilla in the room. Yes. Uh, what I don't know. What did you like? What would what did you like about it? and What did you not like? Because I I know that there's a lot of stuff that we both probably liked and we probably liked the same things. Go go ahead. Go wild. Go ape. I yeah. We go ape shit on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the practical effects. I'm yeah. a sucker for practical effects. Yeah. It, I was led to believe that this movie had awful effects. Yeah. Right? And, again, on the backdrop of Jurassic Park, a lot of things have bad effects, right? Yeah. But, man, it was very, very well done. The practical effects were all good. They, I feel like at the end, the lava was a bit much. Yeah. Some of the CGI was just not not good, but also we're watching it years almost on. 30 yeah. years later. And yeah, compared to what, uh, well, who was it? Industrial Light and Magic? Yeah. Did Jurassic Park, I mean, compared to them. Well, I think because this was actually, um, so this was Stan Winston Studios okay. who did the, the, the actual practical models for Jurassic Park. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot of the same people, but... To be fair, though, I mean, this was, I mean, it wasn't, reptiles are easier than, than monkeys, yeah. I feel. I was also blown away by the sets. Because, like, Jurassic Park, you could tell, like, it was all, like, filmed kind of on location, like, in mm-hmm. some jungly place somewhere. But, like, you could tell that this was done on, like, a backlot or a soundstage. Yes. I, I cannot wrap my mind around how big some of these sets had to have been. They had to have been huge because there's that that scene where they're they've got like the auto turrets. Yes. Which is what really made it reminiscent for me of Aliens. Yes. where Because that was, I think, just straight out of Aliens. Right. But like that, that's a huge set. And you're right. It, it clearly was on a back lot, but it was so high quality. Yeah. It was so good. Like you almost forgot that they were on a like a backlot soundstage. Like they obviously, they also created like at the beginning there um, where they swim underneath that sort of like little mm-hmm. like pool and waterfall. They created all that too. Like it, and then like the, the mines, the lost city. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I love it. I wish more films would do this today. Yeah. That is the the big thing. And I, I don't know why they don't because I guess it takes, you have to hire more people. I yeah. feel to do practical effects of that of that size and quality, but at the same time, like computer generated effects are not cheap and they're not really cost yeah. effective unless you are going to have a movie that is commercially successful. So, yeah. give or take, I feel like you know, especially if you're if you are on that sort of like this is sort of a gamble we're taking, you got to do the practical effects because I feel like yeah. it's only going to help you. It's only ever going to help you. I really wish that Ernie Hudson had more leading man roles. Yes. Because holy crap, Ernie Hudson with the British accent as sort of this weird paramilitary sort of like smuggler dude. Loved it. I, it was so good. I, I, I wish every movie was that. 
<laughs> I I wouldn't be mad if every movie was that, frankly, yeah. because I it just all it did was whet my appetite for more Ernie Hudson in this specific role. Yes. And I can see, you know, going back to our trivia from the beginning, that this was his favorite role he's ever played. I can see I liked him better in this than Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like Yeah. He just seemed like he was having a great time. It was. You could you could visibly see that he was trying to keep from just being giddy the whole time while yeah. he was filming. Yeah. Like, if there's one knock on his performance, it's that. It's that he had a hard time hiding how much fun he was having. Yeah. Uh, and good for him. And and uh, Tim Curry. Yes. He he was great. Um, even even Bruce Campbell's uh, uh, bit role. Yeah. Was great. I uh, was I was disappointed there wasn't more Bruce Campbell. Yeah. I, so. That also leads me to, I guess, do you, do you have anything else you want to talk about, like what you really liked about this movie? Because I was going to move on to a couple things I didn't like. I just love the batshit insane plot. <clears throat> I love that pulpy kind of like, like everything's going on. Like there's a lost city and like space lasers mm-hmm. and talking apes, talking apes this and like weird mysticism. Yeah, weird vague mysticism and. You know, there's this backdrop of, like, warfare, and... Let's not forget that whole scene where they're driving through an airfield that's being bombed. Yeah. And then it leads to that, their plane getting shot out of the sky. Yeah. Like... You had uh, a little, like, bit roll there by um, Delroy... Delroy Lindo was oh he was the, the like um, general the general or, yeah whatever yeah, that, that was like i guess the i guess warlord <laughs> yeah the warlord that was like captured them yeah he and was, I was just like oh hey he was phenomenal yes. i I, hmm, I didn't realize that's who it was until you mentioned it right now and i'm like god this guy is so good yeah <laughs> it was a perfect role yeah it had just it was so like you said bat shit insane that is I what i just I loved so much about it. I guess I guess moving on from that, the the big thing, and I kind of lost my transition here of what I was exactly going to say, but what I didn't like about it, Bruce Campbell was originally supposed to be the scientist who is played by Dylan Walsh. Yeah, I firmly agree with that casting decision because Dylan Bruce Campbell is too much of an alpha male. He would not have. He would not have played the <clears throat> dorky. Second fiddle scientist, love in ape yeah. love interest person, which I love that that all of the soldiers like were constantly making fun of him. How yes. they were like, oh yeah, it's intimated that he's either married or banging this ape, which is hysterical. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have worked with Bruce Campbell. I wouldn't have believed it. No one would have. No one's gonna look at Bruce Campbell, like ninety five Bruce Campbell, and be like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> laugh at this guy. No. No, yeah, I I believe him as the yeah the strapping guy at the beginning who's deep in the Congo looking for blood diamonds or whatever it is like looking for these or this like King Solomon's mines. Yeah, I believe that, but not for a second. Yeah, I you know i i can I can buy lost cities and weird like maybe magically mutated apes. But my suspension of disbelief can only go so far. That's fair. Like when you have a chin that magnificent, you you can't you can't be a beta. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. It, it's like it's like it's like uh like Kirk Douglas. Would mm-hmm. you believe Kirk Douglas in a role is like some sort of simp? No. No. 
Yeah, and there's there's no way that like as soon as Laura Lenny's character met uh, the scientist character, she would have immediately been like, "Oh, like I don't care anymore. Like I'm in love with this guy now." Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it's funny. I was wondering if there was going to be a romance between like Laura Linney's character and Dylan Walsh's character. Yeah. And it felt like it was going to happen. But then like the shit hit the fan and then it's like, Oh no, clearly the ape is the love interest here. Like if anyone's going to be getting with anyone, Laura Linney's going to be getting with Ernie Hudson at the end of this. Right? Like that's, (laughs) that's what we want. We should all be so lucky. I mean, really they it's, that's a power couple. Yeah. It really Uh, is. it, It is. And it's funny because Laura Linney was, just as much of a badass, like at a certain point. Yeah, which is like insane. I mean, they've got chemistry, like great teamwork. Just yeah. like shooting those heat-seeking missiles out of the sky. That might have been my favorite scene in the entire movie. Like, if I had to pick a still from this yeah. movie to say is my favorite, it's where they're both leaning out, like grabbing, like onto like the inside of the airplane, just both leaning out and aiming at this heat-seeking missile. Yeah, like that in and of itself was just you know it's worth it for that moment alone yes. yeah uh, i you know as the kids say i ship it yeah i i do ship it but anyway speaking of shipping uh dylan walsh's character in the ape man i i didn't like dylan walsh and his character i think it was necessary for what it was because you needed he was the final girl really is what it was <laughs> yeah. not not the ape not laura linney not anyone else, not any of the other red shirts they brought along. No, it was it was Dylan Walsh. And boy, he kind of grated on me after a while. I'm just like, just kiss the ape and get it over with. Like, just come on, man. Like, just stop being like even even his even the even the his assistant, the other scientist who came along who got brutally, gruesomely murdered. Yes. He was actually he was I would almost say he was almost as annoying, but he was like comic relief annoying, mm-hmm. you know? And man, I just, mm, uh, just, I just kind of want to miss any movie with Dylan Walsh in it. And that was the, that was the big, 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 like black hole of this movie was just, I don't like Dylan Walsh. I've, I've realized, I can't say that I'd seen him in anything else before, but I don't like him now. He was in... <clears throat> NCIS? Yeah, he was in a bunch of like TV yeah. shows after yeah. this. Because I looked him up after and I'm like, this was kind of like, if this movie would have made it big, he was kind of trending upwards to like, ah, yes, propelled to big movie stardom. Yeah. But then it fell flat and no one watched it in theaters. And yeah. I think he kind of, after that, it, he kind of plateaued. And then he just did TV acting. Which, just, yeah, I mean, respectable. Yeah. And honestly, he's probably, him as a TV actor, I could probably get behind it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, NCIS is something I'll throw on in the background while I'm doing something else. Yeah, I I don't know that I've seen him. Which in NCIS? Like the original NCIS? I, I really want to say he's in the one with LL Cool J. Is he? If he is, he must be in like the later seasons because I don't remember him being in the... Because I saw like the first two or three seasons yeah. of... What is that? Los Angeles? NCIS yeah, LA? So. Yeah, yeah, with LL Cool J and... um. What is it? Um, uh, dude who, uh, Chris O'Donnell. Yeah. Uh, Robin. Yeah. Um, Batman and Robin. That's, yeah. You know what? That's what it is. I'm getting these two things backwards. Oh. oh. <laughs> well, I think he actually was in not NCIS, but CSI. Okay. I'm pretty certain. One of he those was, procedurals. Yeah, he was in a procedural pretty regularly. Yeah. I, when I was a kid and I lived at home, my dad and I would 
watch procedurals all the time. That at college, that was like there was always a procedural on, yeah. and, like in any cafeteria you would go to, and it was just like, all right, well, I'll just sit here and watch this episode right now. And literally, I probably saw like the original uh, CSI, the original NCIS, CSI Miami, probably the original like four or five seasons of each of them, just yeah. just by literally piecemeal watching it at like college yeah yeah that's another good point is like i think it was like usa would have like they'd have like sunday marathons of different things and uh i spent many 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 sundays in my early 20s uh recovering from hangovers and just like just sitting and binging through like svu or you know any other fill in the blank here oh procedural. man what was what was the one that i really liked and it wasn't really a procedural it was um it was james con and timothy oliphant it was uh oh, las uh, vegas yeah the the one where they're in the casino yeah yeah that was a it was a i really liked that show that was a very good show yeah like let's not sleep on this show if there's any yeah. two things you take the first thing is go watch congo the second thing is go watch um I think it's just called Las Vegas. I think it's called Las Vegas. It's either Las Vegas or Casino. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's Casino, but it's. Uh, it is starring James Caan as the casino manager. Yep. And they literally all they do is just try to prevent like casino fraud, and there's like undertones of like mafia stuff happening, and it's honestly a phenomenal show. And I would say it's probably a procedural, but just like like on its just head, not like a, we not like, a. Per- police procedure yeah it's it's honestly everything you want in a procedural but also like a mob tv show kind of yeah like, it's like the best of both worlds it is yeah so don't sleep on that show if you've never seen it do not sleep on these yeah it's they're both very good but yeah dylan dylan walsh i guess who is in neither of those or maybe both he could have been in bit roles in any of them really i don't know i've never like paid attention schrodinger's actor <laughs> yes he's in all shows and no shows at once mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just didn't like him that much. I think the the thing that I also too I I wanted to like more, and he was kind of a little bit. I think he did it well, but the accent man threw me off. Tim Curry's character, I was like, what is he supposed to be? Is he supposed to be South African? And it turns out no, he's Romanian. Like that threw me off for a good solid like five minutes of the movie. I love Tim Curry, so I was fully on board with that accent. I. I think it was just that it. I didn't expect it. Mm. Is that it threw me off, and I and I, I grew to just absolutely love him and his character. Yes, it. He was perfect, like that sort of. And again, I'll throw this. I'll throw this back to aliens again. He was like the um, like the dude who's leading the expedition, mm-hmm. who gets Ripley to sign on and says, "Hey, you got to come back with us." Who's like? He's definitely like the corporate man, right? Yeah. Like that sort of archetype of sort of sniveling i'm not really the hero but i'm here and i'm i'm kind of a foil to some of your characters yeah tim curry played that beautifully to i guess probably ernie hudson's character Uh, maybe laura linney's character i guess i don't know it was kind of uh, there really wasn't a clear foil on either side of those but like he was just this really good sort of sniveling character and i yeah. loved it he did it so well but it, that the accent caught me off i just i wish there was maybe more of it or more of that or or they got into the weird mysticism or esotericism that he was because like you had all this like 
ah, oh, yes, like I have this journal and these things that I found. Like, it was like he was, I want to see the movie where he found all these things, right? Yeah. <laughs> this this knockoff Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, yeah, starring like a Romanian Tim Curry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's basically not even Indiana Jones. He's just basically this weird grifter. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, I guess, um, what's his face? Uh, the, the brother or Benny uh, from The Mummy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He's like that yeah. character. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know well, where to go with this, but like, were there any things that you just really disliked? Because, yeah, I, I could not see Dylan Walsh, or, or, sorry, I didn't like Dylan Walsh, and I could not see that character played by Bruce Campbell. Glad he didn't. Uh, but anyway, was there anything you just absolutely hated about this movie? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with the Dylan Walsh thing. Like, whenever it sort of, like, focused on him, I was just kind of like, oh, like, can we get back to something interesting, please? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I was like, the ape's cool by itself. Just miss me with this character, though. Yeah, that... Any one of those characters could have really taken his place, I feel. They had <laughs> so many characters, too, that I were know. so good. And then they just chose to, like, spend an inordinate amount of time on this lame-ass character. Which, I, I guess, to be fair, they needed some sort of square in that role to be kind of the dupe who is, like, the patsy mm-hmm. at a certain point. But at a certain point, like, if he died, I would not have cared. No. I honestly, like, if he if he had just got blown up in that Mercedes, and whoever that guy that, like, snuck them through customs had just, like, filled in his spot, <laughs> thousand percent here for it. <laughs> yes. Uh, although I guess we wouldn't have gotten, like, a few of those jokes at his expense about him... Which I guess, yeah, you know, that's that I would have missed out a little bit on, but realistically, I could have, I could have lived without it. Yeah, could have lived. He's just so whiny. It, like, there's like, I think I forget what what point it is. He's like, oh, I'm just gonna leave, and I'm like, the fuck are you gonna go? Like, you're a white dude in Africa in the '90s. Like, what do you expect is gonna happen? Yeah, what what's gonna happen here, fam? Like, are you just gonna like go back to to whatever? Like those those dudes who are shooting shooting your plane down with the RPGs? Like, oh, I I sailed, chap. Please take me back to the nearest British embassy. I mean, he wasn't British, but like, yeah, you get the point. They're they're either going to a just straight up kill him. Best case scenario, he gets taken hostage. Yeah, best case scenario, yeah, he gets taken hostage and someone tries to ransom him. Mm-hmm. I mean, which I guess, f- fair. Yeah. I guess kind of, that's probably what would have happened to him earlier had they not gotten him out of, because he did get thrown in that jail. Yeah. Yeah, he could have just stayed there, frankly. <laughs> just just, just left him in the jail. Just get the get the ape, but leave him. <laughs> uh, that, you know, that would have been a great scene of just like, Laura Lenny and Ernie Hudson show up at the jail and he's like, Oh, yeah, you come and get me. And it's like, uh, we'll take the ape. You can keep those guys. <laughs> that would have been phenomenal, I think. So, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on this? I got I got two questions for you. Or one, at least. Maybe two. We'll see how this goes. But I got a question for you before we move on to rating this. By the way, I forgot to say, I rated it a 3 out of 5 Snake Pluskins tentatively. You rated it 3.5 tentatively. So that's where we were. I forgot to say that at the beginning, so there we go. Um, do you have any other thoughts on this movie? Like anything that you just a burning desire of like, I, I want to discuss this. Just watch it. Just I, just go watch it. Okay. I If you I, haven't already, watch this movie. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Stop. Stop listening and watch it. Perfect. So I'm going to ask you one question here. 
What do you think would be a really good pairing if you were to double feature this movie? Is there any movie that you would just be like, oh, that would be a great double feature movie? Just because I love the campiness of it and the pulpiness, I would say John Carter of Mars. Oh, that's... With uh, Taylor Kish, Kirsch? That Something sounds right. That sounds right. I So I was going to go two ways with this. The, the two things that... The one thing that immediately popped into my mind, and this is literally just because of the zaniness. It's like you just want to kind of keep riding that, that zany train, right? I think that you could, in theory, make a case for Who Framed Roger Rabbit with this oh. movie because you get that really kind of zaniness on of different kinds you kind of get this sort of like trying to be serious zany like what the hell and then you get like that funny sort of palate cleanser but i don't think this movie needs a palate cleanser i think what it needs is it needs a spiritual successor and i think that the movie that you want to watch after this movie is probably and because you said john carter of mars it made me think of john carpenter's ghosts of mars it's widely regarded as John Carpenter's worst movie. It is, it's been a while since I've seen it and I distinctly remember it being ridiculous, but it is starring Ice Cube. Think kind of like, have you played, Um, I'm trying to think of the movie, of the of the video game, but it's not Doom. Uh, it's, it's, um, God, there's another set of video games that were set on like a mining facility on Mars. I'm trying to think of what they were. I don't remember now, but basically, it's it's essentially this backdrop of people on this in like this mining facility and there are ghosts and there's like this like revolt if I remember correctly and it's like just batshit insanity. So I can imagine this moving into that. Or if you want to kind of pair it with something like that, another sort of like this leads to this sort of thing, a total recall would be perfectly acceptable yeah. because it's like maybe there maybe this company is the other big corporation from here or Again, like, it's kind of got that weird, otherworldly sort of sci-fi-ness to it. So you basically yeah. can take this action-adventure movie with magical sci-fi undertones, and you just punt it straight into another movie that has magical sci-fi undertones, but yes. on another planet. Yep. I love <laughs> that, that. Those would be my sort of, like, if I'm pairing this with another movie, that's where I would go with it, I think. I like it. So without further ado, let us rate this on a scale of zero to five Snake Pliskins. Where do you think you fall on this? I'm going to say four Snake Pliskins. Uh, without Dylan Walsh's character, it would be a solid five. I also think you are correct. I think I'm going to also bring it up from a three to a four. I would. I don't know that I could bring myself to give this a five. Because there are just a few too many things that are just a little bit off. But as far as from a fun perspective, it's a solid four even with Dylan Walsh. Yeah, and if it didn't, I would say from. probably, yeah, maybe 4.5. Like, this is just... I'm so sad that so many people, and that I, in fact, missed this movie. Because this... God, this would have been such a fun movie to watch it like... Um, watching college with people yeah. and just like, oh my God, let's, let's get hammered and watch Congo. Yeah. <laughs> like, it would a bunch a... of snacks and like yeah. a bunch of nachos and, and beer and just, yeah, just get a group of people together to watch Congo. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's like quite firmly in the camp of party movie 
but it's it's damn close. I think that this borders the line of like really fun action adventure, sci-fi maybe, I guess, I don't know, and and party movie. Like it's it's very it feels a lot like King Solomon's Mines and The Mummy but on like methamphetamine or bath salts. Yeah. Right? How about that? So I guess just go watch this movie, which is other action adventure movies on very hard drugs. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, unless you have anything else to say, I guess we'll see you in the next one. We'll see you on the next one. And I wonder if it really was. I think it was always was show business. I think they were pretending to be factories, and it was still show business. I heard myself speaking these terrible corny lines, and there I was stuck with $350,000 worth of show, and I had to get on somehow. Plus, at the time, oh, they were real jerks. Plus, plus, at the time, really pieces of work. Plus, plus, at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Plus, plus, at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. I really did, because he was a monster. But they all were, or almost all of them, those guys. He came on as a monster, you know. He snarled at you, like that. Plus, plus, at the time. He was a monster. Like that. Plus, plus, at the time. I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Follow us on Twitter at MWNS Podcast or contact us at MWNS Podcast at ProtonMail.com. All music used in this episode is produced by Young Carts and used with license.